This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Isaiah chapter 45, we're going to begin our reading in verse number 20. And if you'll permit me, we're going to ignore the chapter divisions. And we're just going to read right into chapter 46 uh, through the end of it. Isaiah 45 and verse number 20, the Word of God says, Assemble yourselves and come, draw near together, ye that are escaped of the nations. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save Tell ye, and bring them near, yea, let them take counsel together, who hath declared from this from ancient time, who hath told it from that time. Have not I the Lord, and there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior, there is none beside me. Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness, and shall not return. That unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. Surely shall one say, In the Lord have I righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come, and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. In the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. Bel boweth down, Nebo stoopeth. Their idols were upon the beast and upon their cattle. Your carriages were heavy loaden. They are a burden to the weary beast. They stoop, they bow down together. They could not deliver the burden, but themselves are gone into captivity. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb. And even to your old age I am, he, I am he, and even to whore hairs will I carry you. I have made and I will bear, even I will carry and will deliver you. To whom will ye liken me and make me equal and compare me? that we may be like. They lavish gold out of the bag and weigh silver in the balance and hire a goldsmith and he maketh it a god. They fall down, yea, they worship. They bear him upon the shoulder, they carry him and set him in his place and he standeth. From his place shall he not remove, yea, one shall cry unto him, yet can he not answer nor save him out of his trouble. Remember this and show yourselves men. Bring it again to mind, O ye transgressors, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient time, the things which are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, a man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it, I will also do it. Hearken unto me, ye stout-hearted that are Far from righteousness, I bring near my righteousness, it shall not be far off, and my salvation shall not tarry, and I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible or taking notes, I'd draw your attention to verse number 9, and I would draw your attention to four words in specific. In the heart of the verse, the Bible says, there is none else. There is none else. When I read my Bible and I study, I have a habit of asking myself three questions. 
Question number one, who's speaking? That's always helpful, isn't it? To know who's talking. From time to time, one of my boys will yell through the house, and I'll mistake a voice, and I'm talking to the wrong person when I answer. It's always good to know who's speaking. The second question that I ask is, what are they talking about? There's no doubt in this passage what is being talked about. Let me show it to you. Hold your place here and turn back to chapter 45. We were just there. Look at verse number 5. I am the Lord, and note this, there is none else. Look at the end of verse number 6. There is none else. Look, if you would, at verse number 14, at the end of the verse, there is none else. Verse number 18, there is none else. Verse number 21, there is none beside me. Verse number 22, end of the verse, there is none else. Go over to chapter 46 and verse number 9, and there is none else. I have an imagination that's not, that's not uh, too great, but I would imagine what God's trying to say to us this morning is, there's none else. That's right. He says in verse number 9, I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none beside me. I think in my own life, and I would imagine for many other people as well, that one of our great problems is the fact that we are simply distracted. Everything else has my attention. Everything else. Here's the difficulty of it. We're living in a society that is rapidly changing. And all of these changes arrest our attention. We were in a staff meeting this past week, and Pastor Hooks read for us a tweet. I didn't write it down verbatim. I wish I would have. And I didn't even write down who, who tweeted it. But it went something like this. Our society is changing so rapidly that the church and church people are confused. Can you identify with that? We're just confused. Our world is changing so rapidly, and and it's not like one thing is changing, it's everything is changing. You You can't even keep up with it all. Politically speaking, in our nation, things are changing, and they're, they're changing so quickly. Uh, I mean, we've, we, ha- we have elected uh, avowed socialists and communists, and, and we would think, for those of you who lived a generation ago, and you know that the whole Cold War era, and, and who would have ever imagined that, that would happen in our country today? Uh, you, you have all these political divisions. You've got Antifa on one side, and you've got the mega movement on another side, and you've got all of these political entities jumping up, and you've got the Tea Party, and the Independent Party, and the Green Party, and this party, and that party. It's not a party at all. It's a nightmare. And we get so confused by it all. I don't even know where to stand anymore because I'm looking at all of that. Politically, everything is changing in our nation. Politically speaking, we don't know what to do with the economy. It looks pretty good right now, but what's it going to be like in five hours? Watching the Dow Jones, watching the NASDAQ, watching this, watching that. We don't have a clue what to do on this idea of immigration. And by the way, part of the problem of all of this is the fact that we have so many media sources that is bombarding us, and all of these things are right in our face 24 hours a day. 
Do you build a wall? Do you not build a wall? Do you take them in? Do you not take them in? Do you send the ones that are here back? What do you do? I don't know. And everybody has an opinion, and everyone's talking about all of these things. And politically, everything is changing in our nation. And it's changing rapidly. And by the way, I don't see any sign that it's going to slow down. It's all political, and it's all changing. Morally in our nation, everything is changing. It's all changing. Did you ever imagine that you would live in a nation where even after an abortion was failed, we would say we're not going to pass legislation protecting human life? It's changing. In my lifetime, I don't consider myself to be an old man, but in my lifetime, I've watched it all change. I remember as a teenager how, how when people who were in Hollywood, uh, who, who lived a life of vile affection, sort of kept that to themselves. And, and when they came out, it was this big thing. And now it's changed so rapidly, not only is it accepted, it is promoted, it is in vogue, it's the cool thing. And we actually have people who are not that, who say that they are that. Where do we, what do you do? It's all changing so quickly. Where do we stand? Is there any firm foundation? Is there anything to stand on? Everything is changing politically, morally, everything is changing. Everything's changing socially. Now, look, there's always been generational gaps, right? There's always been generational gaps. And, and, and grandson thinks that grandfather lived 8,000 years ago. There's always been that. But have you ever imagined such wide generational gaps? where, quite honestly, young people are so completely detached, even from the generation before them. And our society has changed. We don't communicate with each other anymore. We have more media outlets and, and, and more social media than we've ever had imaginable, and we don't know how to carry on a conversation because there's no face-to-face anything. Our society is just changing completely. But here's the problem. The problem is, all of that is what's getting my attention. I'm thinking about all the politics. I'm thinking about all the moral issues. I'm thinking about all the society. Hey, look here. And then add on top of that, what's going on in the four walls of your home? And what you're facing down at work? There's a lot going on. There's a lot to be processed. And in heaven, God sits on his throne and he says, wait a second, (laughs) there's none else. Who needs your attention? There's none else. Who should you be considering? I'm God. Uh, Hello? All that mess, all that turmoil, all that... I'm still God. Let me tell you what would help you and would help me immensely. And what would make everything else make sense is if I just simply believed in all of this. He is God. And there's none else. There are three things I'll show you very, very briefly from from this passage that God wants you and I to know that there is none else. Number one, would you write it down, please? 
there is none else that saves. There's none else that saves. Look at Isaiah 45 and verse number 22. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. Why? Why would we look to him? Because he said, I am God and there is none else. What's going to help America? Look, we know the answer. If I brought you up here, if I put, hit a, put a microphone in your hand and I said, I want you to tell the audience this morning, what is the answer for America? Everybody in this room is going to say the only answer for America is Jesus. Right? But we don't live it. We say it, and then we go follow the political pundits and see what's going on, what's going on in Washington. How are we going to change America with Washington? Listen, if you haven't figured it out yet, that's not the answer. There's none else that saves. I find this very interesting. Look, at, look at, again at the verse. He says, look unto me. Look unto me. Hold your place here, if you would, and turn to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 21 and verses 8 and 9. What is this whole idea of looking unto him? This is not the first time that people were commanded to look at something. Numbers 21 and verse number 8, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. You know the story. Children of Israel murmuring against God, and God sends serpents into the camp, and people are being bitten, and they're getting sick, and they're dying. And the people come to Moses, and they say, Moses, go to God for us. And Moses goes to God and says, Lord, they're repenting. Lord, help them. Do something. And God says, all right, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a snake and put it up on a pole. And all they have to do to be saved from death is to look to the serpent. And when they look, watch here, there's two motions here. As you're turning to something, you're turning from something. Can't you imagine that as they're being bitten and as their loved ones are dying, they're applying lotion or cream or ointment or this thing or that thing. They're calling the doctor. They're trying to save this person. And God says, turn from all of that and just look at the snake. And when you do, they'll be fine. Fast forward to John chapter 3 and verse number 14. The Bible says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And if we'll look to Him, simply look to Him. By the way, looking unto Jesus, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2, looking unto Jesus, that is faith. One chapter before that, Hebrews chapter 11, you have the definition of faith. The definition of faith is, look, is, is uh, the evidence of things hoped for, no. The substance of things hoped for, there it is, thank you. The evidence of things not seen. That's the, that's the definition of faith. But what really truly is faith? Faith is looking to Jesus. We need people of faith who will look away from this world and the politics and the social and the this and that and simply get your eyes on Jesus. And I want to let you know that there's only one way for salvation. And we know that, but I'm afraid we've muddied the waters. What's America need? We walk down the street, we see somebody who looks nothing like we would imagine a person should look. And we start having thoughts like this. I'll tell you what that person needs. I'll tell you what that person needs. 
They need to change their clothes. They need to take all this mess off. They need to come sit in a church service. They need to, to, to sit like a normal human being. They need to listen to a choir sing. They need to know how to find somewhere in the Bible. And when the preacher says, turn to Isaiah chapter 45, they need to know where Isaiah 45 is. They need to go out after church and have a, have a, a Sunday lunch with their family. And I want you to know they can do all those things and die and go to hell. They don't need a church choir. They don't need to know where to turn to the Bible. They need to look to Jesus and be saved because God says, look unto me, there's none else. And all the religions of this world say do. Catholic Church, what are you going to do? Well, do this. God says, don't look, or don't do, look. Islam running rampant in our world today. Islam says, do, 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 do. Jesus says, just look. Judaism, do, 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 look. Calvinism, you can't look if you wanted to, so don't worry about it. And God says, look anyway. Hey, look, even, even the, the, the umbrella of Christendom that we would consider to be Christian religions, most of them will say to somebody, you got to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to do this. And there's, there's a, a God in heaven who says, look, I and I alone am the way of salvation, and I say to you, look. Young Charles Spurgeon, you know the story. Young Charles Spurgeon walks into a church on a wintry morning, snowstorm, couldn't get to the church he was trying to go to, so he stopped in at one that was on the way. Preacher couldn't be there. A layman stands up and he preaches from that verse, Isaiah 45 and verse number 22. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Spurgeon said, on that day I looked. As an 11-year-old boy, I looked. I ask you this morning, listen carefully please. May the Spirit of God ask you this question. Have you looked? I did not ask, are you a church member? I did not say, are you sitting in church on a Sunday morning, clothed and in your right mind? I did not ask you, can you find the Old Testament from the New Testament? I'm asking you very simply, have you looked? Have you turned from everything else? Have you stopped relying upon your, the, the good that you can do or the this that you... And have you simply looked to Christ in faith, knowing that He alone can save you? There is none else that saves. Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Look, God's people need to get back to this message. You want to change your community? You want to change your city? You want to change the world? It's not about what political party. It's not about what... I'll tell you what they need to do. They need to stop listening to all that rap music. Okay. So they'll die and go to hell listening to country music. Hey, listen. I had a, a young man. I had a young man who got saved... I worked in the prison ministry in Knoxville, Tennessee. Looking, worked in the prison ministry for five years. Maximum security, juvenile prison. They brought in young people from all over the place, all over the East Coast. 
And every Sunday we'd go in and we'd, we'd speak to these young people. We'd have church services. Saw a number of them come to faith in Christ. One young man, his name was Alex. Alex got saved. He was from Knoxville. He'd been arrested for like the fifth or sixth time. He was 15 years old. All of them drug-related charges. Terrible home life. He'd been in and out of that juvenile prison. They'd bring him in, let him loose, bring him in, let him loose. I walked in one Sunday, and there sat Alex again. I thought, well, I'll get the story afterwards. But something happened, and Alex got saved that day. Made a profession of faith, especially Christ as a Savior. Hey, look here. He looked. He got out a few weeks later. I didn't know that he got out. I was at work. And uh, the secretary from the church called me at work. She said, I hope I'm not bothering you, but, but there's a young man who said he got saved in the juvenile prison, and his name is Alex. I said, yeah, I know Alex. She said, Alex wants to know if somebody can give him a ride to church tonight on a Wednesday night. I thought, hallelujah. You don't see that a whole lot. By the way, it's an evidence of salvation. We should see more of it. I want to come to church on Wednesday night. I said, absolutely. Got his address, got his phone number, called him, went and picked him up. Alex started coming to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night for a number of months. Somebody, either Heidi and I or somebody else that I had prearranged, would pick up Alex and bring him to church. And Alex was growing in the Lord. Alex was, I mean, I'm telling you, some of the evidences is is amazing. And somebody who meant well offended Alex and said something that they shouldn't have said. And he never came back. Started going to a different church. But let me tell you what Alex said to me the week before that happened. He said, Dan, I was in my room last night and I was listening to Jimi Hendrix. Yes, he was saved. I was listening to Jimi Hendrix. And God spoke to me. I said, all right, tell me about that. He said, God told me that if I'm going to listen to Jimi Hendrix, I need to listen to just as much Christian music as I do worldly music. I said, Alex, that's great. Now let me tell you, If we start with the music, we may never get to the salvation. But if you start at salvation, the Spirit of God will get to the music and everything else. Look unto me and be ye saved, for I am God, and there's none else. There's a second thing. Not only is there none else that saves but there's none else that sustains. Look at verse number 1 of chapter 46. The Bible says, Bel boweth down, Nebo stoopeth. Their idols were upon the beast and upon the cattle. Your carriages were heavy loaden. They are a burden to the weary beast. They stoop, they bow down together. They could not deliver the burden, but themselves are gone into captivity. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb, and even to your old age I am he, and even to whore hairs will I carry you. I have made and I will bear, even I will carry and will deliver you. 
To whom will ye liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be like? Look at verse number one. Who's Bel? Who's Nebo? These are the false gods that the children of Israel, God's people, have gone into idolatry with. By the way, interesting note. Bel, Belshazzar, Nebo, Nebuchadnezzar. These Babylonian kings actually bear the names of their gods. And so I want you to watch, watch, watch this. These children of Israel go into idolatry. They're worshiping Bel. They're worshiping Nebo. And then the day comes where they are carried captive into the land where the rulers bear the names of the false gods that they're worshiping. And as they're being carried away captive, get the mental picture that God gives to us. You are carrying your gods into captivity with you. The ones you prayed to. The God that you bowed down in front of and made your supplication to. The one that you trusted in. The one that you said, here, I'll give my burden to you. And the Bible says, now that idol is your burden and you actually carry that God with you as you march off into captivity into a land whose rulers bear the names of your gods. Why is that? Because if you're looking for a burden bearer, there's none else. And, and by the way, he says, I do it from the womb, even to whore hairs, those gray hairs, from the beginning of your life all the way until you leave this world. God says, I will carry you, I will sustain you. But wait a second, don't miss this. Please don't miss this. He will, he will bear our burdens. He will carry us. The book of Exodus, God said, remember what I did to the Egyptians, how I bear you on eagles' wings and I brought you unto myself. Look, God can do a work of bearing us up on eagles' wings, but we have to be looking to him. Otherwise, here's the problem. The thing that we look to to bear our burdens, the thing that we look to to change our society, the thing that we look to to get America back on the right track, actually becomes a burden to us. And so now we are just so embroiled and laden down with all the political landscape in America. Hey, shake yourself loose from that this morning and look to him. That's not the answer. Let me tell you what society needs. No, 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 no. Get your eyes off of society. Get your eyes back on God and all will be well. He'll bear that burden for you. Look, the problem is this. We're trying to fix America. And that's a pretty heavy burden to bear. And God says, still sitting here, still waiting. You can carry those burdens with you, absolutely. Carry those burdens all all you want to. Or you can cast your care upon me because I care all about you. I'll take your burden. I don't know what's going on in your home, but you have one of two options. You carry the burden or you give the burden to him. I don't know how upset and, 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 and how in turmoil you are about the state of your nation, but I can tell you this. Give it to him. Look to him. You're not going to change it. Neither am I. 
There is none else that saves, and there is none else that sustains. Let me quickly give you the third thing. There is none else that is sovereign. There's none else that is sovereign. Look at chapter 46 and verse number 8. Remember this, and show yourselves men. Bring it again to mind, O ye transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done. Saying, watch this. My counsel, my counsel shall stand and mark these two words. I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. Mark it, please. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it and I will also do it. Hearken unto me, ye start heart, stout-hearted, thou that are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness, it shall not be far off, and my salvation shall not tarry. And mark it, please, I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. I give you the third thing, there is none else that is sovereign. He's sovereign. And he says, there are certain things I'm going to do. And you can fight against it, or you can get on board, but it's not going to change. I'm going to do it. Hey, did it ever occur to you that the political mess that we're in today did not ever occur to God? Did it ever occur to you that as you are wringing your hands with all the changes in our society, God is not wringing His hands with all the changes in our society? He simply says, I will. Oh, I'm going to do that. Let me show you a great example from these chapters. Uh, Turn back one page, if your Bible's like mine, turn back one page to Isaiah chapter 45. We read the end of the chapter. Now I bring you to the very beginning of the chapter. Look at verse number 1. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed to Cyrus. I want you to know that if you, if you go back to chapter 46 and verse number 11, he says, I'll, I'm calling a ravenous bird from the east, a man that executeth my counsel. Well, now we have his name. His name is Cyrus. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden treasures in secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob my servant's sake and Israel mine elect, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee. Though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none else beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Let's, let's just stop for a moment and check out the sovereignty of our God, shall we? Isaiah pens these words about 740 years before Christ. At the time he pens these words, the Babylonian Empire is not even the Babylonian Empire. The Assyrians are ruling ruling and reigning. In 20 years from this writing, by the way, he's writing to the, to the southern tribes of Judah, but in 20 years from this writing, the northern 10 tribes are going to go into captivity to Assyria. 
In 586 B.C., the southern tribes, the two southern tribes of Judah, are going to go into captivity to Babylon. And about 20 years after that, Cyrus is going to show up on the scene. Watch this. 200 years before he's even born, God says, Hey, you want to know what my plan is? You want to know what I'm going to do? Sure, Lord. What are you going to do? And God has to put a little asterisk beside it and say, by the way, none of this is going to make sense to you because I'm going to talk about people and things that don't even exist yet. All right, Lord, go ahead. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring a man named Cyrus. Where's he going to come from, God? He's going to come from the east. Okay, what are you going to do for him? I'm going to make everything straight for him. He's going to invade, but he's going to invade with no problems, no issues. Everything's going to be great for him. Hey, I'm going to loose the loins of kings before him. Read Daniel chapter 5. Look at Belshazzar sitting there, bringing the, 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 the vessels from the temple into his party scene, in his, in his drunken party. See the handwriting on the wall. Meeny, meeny, tickle you farson. You've been weighed in the balances and you have been found wanting. See this man who the Bible says his loins were loosened by fear. And Daniel says, in that night, they were defeated. God says 200 years before, he said, I'm going to break in sunder the, the gates of brass and the bars of iron. Historians tell us that, that Babylon had giant walls, humongous walls, anywhere from 180 to 200 feet high, and you could ride six chariots abreast across it. It's a big wall. By the way, it was 45 miles in circumference. They had 25 gates on either side of the city, and guess what they were made of? Brass and iron. Can you imagine that? 200 years before, God said, let me tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to, break some, I'm going to break some bars of iron and some gates of brass. By the way, what's this whole I think? Look, look here at verse number, uh, verse number 1, verse, chapter 45. Whose right hand I have holden to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of king to open before him the two-leaved gates. You know what God says? I'm going to raise up a guy and he's going to do all of my will. He didn't even know me. He doesn't even know me. But I'm going to have him do my will for me. And I'm going to leave the door open for him. He's going to march into Babylon unopposed. How did that happen? Someone left the door open. Guess what historians tell us? There were two gates left open. One to the riverbed. That's what they marched up. Walked right into the city. Can I tell you something? The same king of heaven who orchestrated all of that is orchestrating everything in your life today. Is he confused by the politics of America? No. As a matter of fact, he's the only one who understands it. Is he confused by what's happening in our society today? No. Does it break his heart? There's no doubt in my mind it breaks his heart. But he's not confused by it. We are. Look, let's be honest. There are times I want to go sit in a corner and just figure out which way is up. God's allowed me to work with young people for a number of years, and it's like every week there's this whole new dimension. I'm thinking, so where'd that come from? Where? Oh, oh, so that's what we're dealing with now. Okay, all right. And at just about the time that registers to me, there's something totally different we're dealing with. 
What is my responsibility? To figure out every social pattern so I can understand young people? No, that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to get into touch with the one who is, there is none else. And he'll help me understand all those things. There is none else who is sovereign. I don't know what the king of heaven is up to, but I guarantee you he is up to something. And ultimately, it will be for his glory. I'm not going to fret and worry anymore. I'm just going to look to him. So in the day in which we live, in the, the society in which we live, when the atheists doubt him, the agnostics doubt him, when, when the humanists try to bring him down to our level, when the religionists try to redefine who he is, hey, nothing will ever change that he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning, he's the ending. He is the day star, he's the day spring, he is the ancient of days. He is from everlasting and he is to everlasting. I'm here this morning to tell you very simply, he is God and there is none else. He is God and there is none like him. What are you going to look at today? The mess around you? No, just look to him. Hey, the songwriter said it this way. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. What's the result of that? The things of this world, they just go strangely dim. I don't know what you're dealing with. Don't deal with it on your own. If you're here this morning and you've never looked, may I invite you today to look to Him. There is none else that saves. There is none else who will sustain us. And praise God, there is none else who is sovereign. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.